What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Sazits. Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group. Welcome back, folks. Season 3, Episode 2 here. I'm Curtis Quinn down in Destin, Florida. Here with my co-host, as always, Drew Luster. Drew, just coming off the course, what a wonderful day in Florida. The fall air has just kicked in. It was about 75 degrees. Past couple days since Hurricane Sally rolled over us have been nice and nice and cool. So I think summer's officially over down here. Yeah, lucky you. 75 degrees, fall weather. It's been... It's been a little bit chilly here. I ain't going to lie to you. You, you see the sweatshirt on. We're, we're batting down the hatches. Windows are closed. We're starting to, you know, maybe sneak the heat on under Mike Lester's nose a little bit to, to warm this place up. Because as you know, the bottom floor of this house is like the Alaskan frontier, I'll tell you. Holy moly. I'm waking up and it's like, you know, high 40s, low 50s. It's It's been brisk lately. So fall is in full swing. The leaves are changing, football's on, and uh, couldn't be happier. Wonderful. All right, well, we'll get right into it first with your national holiday. What do we got for Wednesday, September 23rd? Also, Wyatt Ronan's birthday, and another great Bruce Springsteen, the boss. Wow, happy birthday to those two. Wednesday, September 23rd is an interesting one. Uh, the first national holiday excuse me, is National Dogs in Politics Day. The category is obviously animal. Um, Let me ask a question. I'm not sure. The, are, are the dogs political or is so, it? So I don't know if it's like sort of a. Or like the president's know, dog. I, I, I have no clue. Like that's, I don't know the context of it really, like what they mean by that. I didn't even bother to look it up because I when when there's one that I'm not sure about, I like to just spit it out and see what you think. And this one, I I have no goddamn. So clue. say it again. I don't know it's if it's dogs people... in no, politics. No. National dogs in politics day. So I don't know if it's people in politics. Dogs. Dogs. Yeah, I would assume so. Which is just another just a waste. Like, why? Yeah, why are we shouting, why why are we shouting those people out? I don't know. If any, know. if anything, at this point in time, they're the absolute worst. Yeah, tough time for that to be a holiday. That's for sure. Um, next up, we have Redhead Appreciation Day, which is just classic, um, just an American classic. You know how they say, "Oh, redheaded stepchild." That's used often in not a derogatory way, but not not really ever positive, as far as I'm concerned. So it's nice to be able to shed light on those who have the, uh, you know, orangey red bronze hair follicles. And uh, if you have a friend or a loved one that ha- that happens to have been born that way, tomorrow would be a day to show respect for them. Appreciation. And appreciate them yeah. as human beings because they are equal. We'll appreciate Soren for tomorrow for our fantasy football league member. We will indeed. That's all I got for you today. Those are the two. They're they're kind of weird. One well, classic. We're, we're gonna we're classic. gonna knock it down to one. TWBLC is stripping the uh, dogs and politics one. It's it's no longer. Get rid of it. National holiday. Just just redhead appreciation. That's it. Just turn a blind eye to it and focus our attention on those redheads who need it the most. God bless. All right, let's hop into love of the week. We'll start off 
with ours first this week because we Why got a not? slew of them after to get into. We do. Fire away. So this is kind of basic. I can't believe I haven't thought of it before. I think every single person has dealt with this in their life. It's a very small victory, but boy, is it a – it's mental mental warfare. Would it's... you go out on a limb and say everybody loves it? Yes, and everybody has has done it. Okay. When you can't see the outlet, whether it's dark or you're looking at something else, Ugh. trying to like crane your arm like behind your bed or yep. behind the couch and you're kind of feeding for it. And when you kind of just get it on the first try, when you just when you get the outlet in and there's not a lot of fishing around, you just kind of boom and it's in right away. And you just feel like you can almost like like you have eyes in the back of your head that are like slinking down. Like you feel like just such a sly, you know, human being. So just agile. It's just one of those small victories that everybody can relate to that I personally love because there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, four or five tries, you still don't have the plug into the outlet. And then you got to really get down and turn you know, the flashlight knees, on, flashlight, crane your neck. And you're like, what the hell? It shouldn't be this hard. So without a doubt, when you get it on the first try, there's nothing like it. It's a thrill. I think what you were looking for there is it's a very cheeky move, as our as our British friends would say. Yes, that's a good one. You got any honorable mentions before I toss mine over? I think I said the same thing last week. I have short-term memory loss, but I think this is what I had mentioned last week or the week before. But fall weather, like sweatshirt weather, is just A1. There is nothing like it because I I don't even really need to have a reason. I'm not even going to have a reason. I'm just going to leave it at that. Sweatshirt weather... When you can wear like you know a long sleeve shirt and shorts or a sweatshirt. How about a vest? I'm wearing a Even vest right a, now. A vest, like you can start layering clothes, and we'll get into this a little later with some fan submissions. But fall is a good time for fashion wear and for for layering stuff, and I'm a big fan of that. A lot of options, absolutely. Mine this week, simple for me. I didn't really have one until about an hour, hour and a half ago. I hadn't thought of it yet, and it came to me on the course. Par five into the wind, hit a solid drive into the wind, had 236 in, had to hit a high little cut three wood in there, pulled it off perfectly, tap in for eagle. So I'm going to go eagle tap ins on par fives that are into the wind. Yeah, I mean, God forbid the only time I'll ever experience that is in a PGA Tour 2K, what is it, 21? But. I got to think that that's quite the thrilling feeling. You must just feel like an absolute sicko. Well, I like to think of it as I reset the clock. So there was a point when I didn't have an eagle for about a year earlier this year, and then I got one, and now I've gotten two since then. So each time I like to jot down the date and, and reset the clock for the last eagle. You're streaky. You're a streaky scorer like in hockey. Like you get one and you, you get hot. Absolutely. I can make a triple or an eagle on any given exactly. day. Exactly. I like that. We will get any, more any secondaries or what? No, but we will get more into the golf talk today. It's going to be a, a golf centric pod at one point. Uh, we've got to okay. talk about Bryson. And then also we have our guest possibly coming on to uh, talk some golf as well. Possibly. Allegedly. We'll see if he can, if he can make it happen. We'll see if he steps up. We uh, will. Indeedy. Let's get into the fan submissions. Who do you got on your side of the house? Uh, and then so I'll there was a time, a so I'm just going to kind of rattle some off that sort of just jump out to me. Okay. Point blank period. I think the first one that we both agree on is John Cougars. Another recurring 
submitter and yeah. guest on the pod. And the key for him, it, it's the phrasing. He And we yeah. know how he would phrase it in real life. So we kind of say it in our head. Yeah. And it just makes it. Yes. Uh, he said, fall fashion slash boot weather for us short kings. Because <laughs> you know in the summer, like, you know, you, the less the clothing, the better, and all those all those tall folk can show off their long legs and everything. And then you got us, me. I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but myself who, like I said, I pride myself on like, I like to lay a clothes, fall fashion, boots, sweatshirts, flannels. That's my speed. So I could not agree more with John there. There's just nothing like it. I hadn't heard the the usage or the term of short kings until recently. And it it's absolutely amazing. floors me every time I hear it. I feel like it's just like a, a sign of respect, like a shout out. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. kind of lifting those people up who are just constantly being put down because of their height. So what do you think? What do you think the the like height cutoff is for that to be labeled that versus a a tall king or just average size person? I don't know what you would person? call it. I think for me it would be like I'm like five ten, and I would consider myself average maybe a little below average height okay certainly not tall so i think i would say probably like five for a guy for like a 20 you know mid-20s guy like 510 i think or shorter okay i don't know i would say the the like, five eight like, to six foot range is just average. like average and then so, so five, five eight below or, and or below you're saying is what my cutoff would be I'm 5'9". I don't want to say I don't want to be labeled as that, but that's what I I don't think of myself as short or tall. I think I'm in the middle. Okay. See, it's funny that you went that route because I was trying to sort of, I'm not trying to call myself short, but I'm also trying to not like, you know, boast, but you went the opposite way. You were like, whatever I have to do to not be labeled a short king, that's what I'll do. (laughs) So that's an interesting method. Yeah. But I respect it because that's what you can do. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go. We look back on some college photos, and if you know EJ, and he is about six three. So any, I've been stuck in photos with him, next to him many a time. Yeah, see, that's a tough. You don't. That's just a tough situation, all around for you, personally. Yeah, great and, for him. Great for him. Not not so <laughs> much for you, or really anybody else who's even remotely close to your height so yeah no more pictures with me and ej not not while i'm standing next to at least unless i'm looking dapper yeah all right what do you got next next i got i just had another one where did it go oh i gotta go with kenzie quinn so this was weird he did his love of the week and fraud of the week were the same they were billy the kid tibbets now this dude he ain't no kid he is absolutely hilarious. Former NHLer. I just followed him on Instagram. He has like almost 12K followers. And he is a content machine. He's reviewing NHL games. He's just preaching facts about, you know, the old time and the NHL, stuff like that. Absolute gem. He's on Cameo even. Kenzie Quinn kind of led me on to him earlier this week. And ever since, I've been just stuck. He's a content machine. Billy the Kid Tibbetts played a couple seasons in the NHL. So shout out to him. He's his love of the week <laughs> and his fraud of the week. I don't know why. Um, I'm not going to get into that. We'll let Kenzie 
explain why he's his fraud. I'm honestly unsure, and I I will not slander such a name on personally. Okay, I got a couple here, um, and then we'll cover. Let him rip. Pat from last year, our audio guy, garbage time fantasy football covers. That yeah. is, I mean, everybody who plays fantasy football, if you have happen to have it ha- happen, no, ugh, ugh. if you happen to have it happen Nothing to you, to you. <laughs> nice, then All right? You love it, but you when it, it when it happens on the other, the flip side, and you're getting screwed by the garbage time. You feel like you're in the torture chamber. You can't get like get the other yeah. defense off the field. It's the, nightmarish. Ugh. It's the opposing quarterback just and, keeps putting up points and you know they're not gonna win the yeah. game. And I, I, I would argue like my, my dad's argument is that fantasy he's in one league. His argument is that it almost ruins the product of watching it because like, you know, let's just say it's Saints and Dolphins and the Saints are up like forty two to nothing in the fourth. Yeah, and you just have Fitch Pat, and I say I have like Devonte Parker, and he's just getting fed. It's like, I I guess, on his end, it's like, it kind of does, you know, make the way that you root for certain players or teams kind of dumb almost. But at the same time, it keeps every single game entertaining, every single which game, is what the NFL play. wants. Yeah, regardless, exactly. Regardless of score, it does not matter because every single person's fantasy matchup will differ. So it doesn't matter what the score is, what the game is. Again, it could be friggin' who was it last week? Browns and Bengals Thursday Night Football. Talk about an absolute nightmare matchup. And people are tuning in because they got Odell, they have Mixon, they got Boyd, AJ Green, etc. So I we've all been there, that's for sure. Yep. I like that one. Then that's we move on one. to my good friend here down in Florida, the only Stone, Stone Shof. He said... His love of the week, seeing China use Transformers footage in a military propaganda video. Now, this, for him, is a love of the week because it shows kind of cluelessness on the part of China's military putting out a video that they didn't think would be literally put side by side on news sites around the world and been like, you literally took a, a scene from the Transformers where a missile comes down from the sky, and it's laughable to watch. So it could almost be a fraud of the week, China doing that, because, you know, that's that's not their product, obviously, and they're no. playing it off as if it's military dominance. So I'm going to double that with a love of the week and then a fraud of the week as well. Yeah, I would slap a fraud right over the top of that. To me, that's the definition of fraudulence. In, in all of its glory. So yeah. I'm going to lean towards that, but great submission nonetheless. Uh, one more from my end. This one is near and dear to my heart that I had an issue with today, and I took took issue with on Twitter this morning. Okay. Tom Brady posting Victory Monday videos with for the Bucks. That's our thing. That's what we've, do, we've done. Well, w- would you say it's our thing, or is it his thing? So, look, he just he did that for the last what two and a half three years ever since like social media really blew up and he got Twitter and all that. I just it it it's a fraudulent move to just eh, take exactly what you're doing. But it begs the doing. question. It begs the, the question. Hold on. Whose is it? The same type of you know editing and the, the he puts the music in the back and then the score. It's just stupid. Like do something different. Do something original. Switch it up. You're not with us anymore. 
you don't even deserve to be able to do this. You, uh, and I hope that's the only one you do all year because I hope you don't win another game. You're so salty. That's so ridiculous because it's literally like you're saying, do something original. That was him. Like, that Not was... anymore. It ain't original anymore. It is It so is, old. Drew, because it's still his. No, I won't. I will not accept. Wouldn't that you say a, Julian Edelman is more fraudulent in that he copied the exact like framework of what Tom Brady does on social media? You will. You will never ever hear me say that he is a fraudulent human being. Well, I'm. I'm using your logic ever. against you here. No, I think the fact again. This is just my opinion. And the fact he, and the fact he made the brand J11 after Let it was me, TB12. No, we're not pulling it. No, no, no. This that's not what we're gonna do. We're not gonna pull in. It other makes too much sense, doesn't it? We're not gonna pull other people into this. We're folk. You need to just take a step back and focus on what I'm saying, okay? This is about Tom Brady, not Julian Edelman. This is about Tom Brady taking what he's done for the last two and a half, three years with the Patriots and all of his teammates, and now bringing it over to the Bucks. Just do, do anything even slightly different than these stupid copycat videos. But Fraud. he's copying himself. How's it a copycat? He's copying what he did for us for the last two and a half years. I'm done with it. Well, since we've mentioned a couple of frauds here already, uh, we're not going to dedicate another segment to it. So you want to get into yours? I don't have any more love of the weeks that I think we need to mention. Mike Doherty did say the burnt cheese it, cheese it in a handful of cheese its. I know you disagree with this. I don't disagree. I just think if it's that much of a love, if it's if if he loves it enough to submit it as love of the week. I feel like he should just buy extra toasty Cheez-Its because every single Cheez-It that he pulls out of that box is going to be the burnt, burnt Cheez-It. Yeah. So that's just I, – no, I, don't, I don't disagree with him. I just – here, just a tip, a tip and trick type of thing from me. Okay. Fraud of the week. You want me to Let's, start or you'll go? Yeah. Take it, take it and run with it. This one is easy for me, and Kenzie fell into the trap of the, the four-play podcast – from Barstool, they're pumping up this greenskeeper superintendent who's setting up the U.S. Open. I gotta say, I watched the, the entire video and I loved it, and I got pulled right into the trap. Listen, you know, I worked right on I worked on the maintenance crew at Bass Rocks for a year. I respect a lot of what those guys do. They work some very early mornings and they get the course set up in fantastic shape. First With of all. Said. With that said, but... <laughs> my, my argument was, hey, in September, a U.S. Open is a lot easier to set up because you can't lose the course. That's always the framework in which the players usually argue is like they went over the line. They put silly pins out there. The course is too dry, blah, blah, blah. This guy said it's easier to set up in June when it's 95 degrees out. And if you get a windy day and the sun's beating down, the basically the grass just dies first fraudulent that one's not as bad it's more of a take on you know what is what is agronomy it's more of a take on agronomy than it sure, is that's on, a good one my, like it just differs in some viewpoints and i i've heard other superintendents on podcasts and other greenskeepers say obviously september is going to be easy so it's tomato tomato whatever you think but the big fraud alert, flash it across the screen. Steve Steve Rabideau said prior to the tournament, if anybody finishes under par here at winged foot in the U.S. Open after four rounds, I will resign. Oh, wait a 
Wait, what? And Drew, I haven't seen a resignation letter on social media because oh, Bryson, God. the only guy under par, but he was six under at winged foot. Wait, so can you, who is that guy? Is that the, the head? It's the head superintendent the greenskeeper. He's the guy who they were kind of interviewing at the beginning, like the head guy. Smoke cigars, yep. Yeah, he's the big dog. That guy actually said that he would resign? Allegedly, th <laughs> through good sourcing, I've heard that he said, like, on social media, he or to other members, blah, 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 he yeah. would resign if somebody shot under par at the U.S. Open this year. So it's been, what's today? Tuesday? Tuesday. It's been two full days now. Oh, going on three, going on three days, and you have, and there is no sign of any resignation occurring. You think that, that you would that is, if what you're alleging is even remotely true, even if he said that jokingly, just being a cocky d bag. Yeah, he should absolutely resign by week's end. I think that that and resignation. If not, he's a fraud of the century. That resignation should have been drafted up on the back nine as Bryson was bludgeoning the golf course and, and <laughs> obviously going to come in. I wanted that thing released Sunday night. <laughs> Before he even finished. How about that? Go yeah. On. So he's he's wow. my fraud of the week. That's an all-time one right there. Wow. Yeah, you really set... I like the way you set the scene for that one. That's and a good one. I felt I felt his fraudulence early on in the week with the September comment that I disagree with, maybe there are some minor things that change, but in September, I think it's almost basically known that it's a little easier to not lose a golf course. So I, I set it up and I, I kept watching him. He kept making all these comments and we found one. That's amazing. We're going to have to tag, cut this and tag him in it because hey, he deserves sometimes to you be just know. Sometimes you just know. I think this is one of those ones we have to put out there and tag him because he, again, he deserves to be held accountable. That is, that is wild. Um, do you have any secondary frauds or anything like that? Or is that just your big boy? No, I was so focused on him this week. Okay. I have two. My first one, I, my first one's going to be interesting because it's going to clash a little bit with one of your, what, something that you said probably about a month ago at this point. Okay. I saw this yesterday, and it is Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. Now, I will probably be on – you can find me on record saying that I support the donations that she has made, as did we both. Yes. She's certainly a giver. You know, throw any <laughs> – Yep. Throw any of the allegations out the window and focus solely on what she's done – you know, the good that she's done, and it's there. You know, the proof's in the pudding. Okay. There's an argument to be made, but not sweeping it under the rug in her first episode in probably five and a half, six months uh, since really COVID hit. She had, I think her first one, yeah, of like whatever season. The season 12. 18. Was it 18? I yep. don't know. You know, more, you, know, you know better than I. Anyways, let me just jump into it. I watched a little bit of the intro and the way that she was sort of how she sort of approached it from the beginning. It was a bad approach. I will agree with you. It was a so, tough approach. It was, are from you going to go very, from the intro, a tough approach. Are you going to go because she was like, it was like weird jokes in the middle of it. Yeah. Like it just seemed if you're going to address it and going to really apologize, then just go, then just do it. 
she almost tried to like dance around it half acid and kind of make yes. light of it when I don't think a lot of the, I don't want to call them eh, victims, I guess, but people who were alleging these things did, didn't seem to think that it was a joke or anything of that nature. So, uh, you know, innocent till proven guilty. You made that clear last week to me. That's how we roll here, which I'll, I'll go with that. But at the same time, you, you either got to go in it or out. You either completely disregard it and you act like it didn't happen, or you actually, you know, have a little bit of sympathy and for these folks and you actually seriously, genuinely address it and apologize, which she really didn't do either. So that's why she's my fraud of the week. She kind of danced around it and tried to joke and make light of it. And yeah, that's why she's my, my one a fraud of the week. I did see the monologue. And as Dave Quinn would say, she, she was half ass on the job to say the least. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it. You got so. any, you got any buddy on the bench for fraud that you yeah, want to bring I up? Yeah, I do actually. And this is something that's been bothering me since week one of the NFL on that Thursday night. Um, it kind of ties into the COVID thing, but I don't know if you would call, just the, the front office, I guess, or, you know, the, the higher ups in the NFL who are, what's the word I'm looking for? Trying to hold these coaches accountable. We talked about it last week for wearing the masks. I just feel like, I'm going to talk about it again because it's still bothering me. I don't know why it's becoming such a big issue where they're trying to start finding guys 100, 200, 500K because their mask is around their neck. I mean, I get it. I get the principle of it, Kurt. I really do. But at the end of the day, why are we taking, why are we making such a big deal out of this when every single player who is with those coaches and with those staffers and trainers during the week in the locker room, etc., they're not wearing masks. Everybody is getting tested every single day, players, coaches alike. I don't know why you can just be okay with the players bleeding, sweating, crying, spitting on each other for hours on end. But if a coach's mask falls below his nose, he's getting five five hundred k. I just I don't fully understand it. I believe it was a hundred k, correct? And the organization's got a what, like two fifty, maybe. I maybe you could be right. I could be overshooting so, that. Either way, I just I don't. I need you to help me out here because it's. Well, it's... I'm not gonna help you out because I think the the fraud part falls on the, the entire NFL coaches got a memo last week, right? And I don't care if you're on the side of you know wear the mask, don't wear the mask, whatever. Yeah. But how many coaches are in the NFL? 32 is 32 okay so 29 of them abided by that memo that got sent out and which said you will get fined this amount of money yeah if you don't do this so the three guys who didn't do it who ended up getting the fines and their organizations get fined those guys are the frauds to me because they they saw just saying screw you no they thought they were special for some reason and like it wouldn't abide like wouldn't abide by it we're better than the rest of the league in my mind that's how i look at it like it wasn't it wasn't hey we talked to a bunch of coaches and a bunch of coasters did it 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 was was literally i'm gonna be it was not golf it was literally uh mcveigh and two others yeah yeah i get it so i i just think it's a selfish move on their part whether you fall on either side, it, oh, it was warned. I, I, I want to make this very clear. I've, so I, I am don't... not an anti-masker. I am not, by any means, supporting not wearing masks. I'm just saying the environment that they're in and the, in the, the protocol that is 
that is being implemented here. I don't see why it's becoming such an issue. I get that rules are rules and it's not that hard to follow them when 85% of the league is, but it just seems weird to me that there, there just seems to be a disconnect between what's I, going on. I think you're missing. I don't think yours was even a fraud to be honest, because it would have been fraudulent if the NFL sent the memo out and then didn't do anything to the three guys. I, I think it's fraudulent that they're, that they're making that they're making it such a big deal because it, it it isn't it clearly isn't from what i'm seeing everywhere else around the league with the players and everything i don't know it just it's, it doesn't sit well with me and i don't know why they're making it such a big deal because in the grand scheme of things bill belichick wearing that thing that looks like he's a friggin witch doctor from who knows when with the big black the way he was wearing the mask that is not doing jack shit fraud of the week i don't know Agree to disagree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. We'll talk a little stock talk here. So, not a great end of the day Tuesday on Battery Day, Tesla Day. Down, I believe, 12% on the day, Tesla in total. So, all their profits that I was, you know, banking on in my portfolio, completely gone. We are dead even on you know, where the stock price was, what I thought was a low price when I bought it. So I don't know. Long, It's a long-term investment. The long-term of Battery Day did sound great, but the problem that dropped the stock so low was they thought maybe in the next year or two that battery supply could be a little low due to COVID challenges and getting factories up to speed to produce the batteries needed to run the cars. That's really the only news on my portfolio. Everything else kind of stayed the same at the from the end of the week. Uh, we're still waiting on Moderna to, you know, do its thing. Do anything. It's do anything. It is holding kind of steady in the high sixties, which is delightful. Didn't somebody allegedly die because of a test that was run? Did no. that happen? No. Well, AstraZeneca had to halt a trial. Cause, oh, oh, oh. Cause don't was... you, don't you dare put Moderna thought, in that. I'm not in the trying same to name. manifest anything. I'm just, I'm just asking a question. No. So AstraZeneca, they had some complications with a member of one of their trials. So the trial was halted immediately. Uh, they ended up resuming the trial because they found out it was underlying conditions and it had nothing to do with the vaccination that that person got. So no slander on any of the pharmaceutical companies. Okay. Uh, All right. How are you doing? We, were, we got a little scared the past couple of days. I feel like the stock's been very volatile and going up and yeah. down. Well, we were texting yesterday. It was yesterday Monday? Yeah, I'm losing yep. track. Yesterday morning, I woke up, and I it was friggin' 9.30 a.m., and I was already down 20 bucks on the day. Not a, not a hot stop for me. As of today, we're back up $12, uh, back down $3 now after hours. Yeah, it's it hasn't been really the trading day that has been – yeah. crazy it's been the the pre-hours and the after hours that have been going nuts lately so it's just one of those weeks i'm wouldn't say excited but eager to see how the rest of the week unfolds and hoping that we can really recover and make a strong push into the weekend uh because as you folks like to say they only go up on fridays yes and that's uh it's only two and a half days away so fingers crossed that does happen not they only go up on fridays they always go up they on always fridays. go up on fridays Yes. Uh, they only, only, only two though, like only insinuates that 
that's all they do. There's no going down. There's no even remaining flat. Give me a – we'll end this short stock talk. We didn't have much for you this week. Not much has changed, I don't feel like. But give me one stock you see, and you're like, man, I wish I owned shares of that. Even if it's like it could be something totally off the block. Do you want me to go first? No, I can go. Okay. I, something that I don't have is probably that I w- wish I did was probably – Probably Nike. They're up $13 this week already, and it's, what, Tuesday? They are going absolutely ballistic. So I I think i got to say Nike. Over the past month, they're up $22. Over the past three months, they're up $31. And up just under $50 within the past year. So they're just slowly climbing. Um, So that's one where I wish I probably jumped in even at, you know, about a month and a half ago now, as soon as I got the app. Um, but yeah, how about yourself? I just, just looking, I was scrolling through um, Massachusetts stock. Cause if you click on Moderna, Robin hood gives you like categories that, to, that it's in. So yeah. I actually scrolled down all the Massachusetts ones and I saw just a random one. Cause most of them are pretty expensive, but I saw one for $33 nuance communications. And hmm. I may be interested in, in putting a little money into it, but all these communications and like with the 5G coming out and all this telecommunication stuff, I feel like are a good opportunity. And this one's relatively low priced. And I looked at its graph and it's really been just climbing for the past like year to three months. You know, it had that drop at the COVID March 13th mark. And it's steadily been climbing. So I'm on the lookout on that one now. Climb, climb, climb. That's what it's all about. On the year, it is up $16. Hey. So that's that ain't too shabby, that's for sure. And it's got room to grow. So you know what they say better to be up than down. Yeah, watch out. Palantir IPO dropping. I don't know if it's this week or next week. I think it's September 29th. I'm not sure. But that's one to watch out for. I like that one. Uh, pretty small market cap for an $20 billion. I know that sounds like a crazy amount. But then if you look at, you know, the Apple's $2 trillion practically yeah. in the Amazon. So it's got it's got a lot of space to grow. But keep a lookout on that one. We're not stock advisors. We're clueless. But we want to exactly. make money. All right. Now, we're going to get to our guest here. We're going to talk a little bit about his golf game and where he can go from there. It'll be playing lessons with TWBLC. One of the members. All right, folks. We're here with our good friend of the pod, Jason Vizina, fellow lefty, golf enthusiast now. And he's here to talk a little bit about his game. Uh, and maybe get some pointers and advice from yours truly. We'll see. Yeah, I hope so. Need it. So, do you play this weekend? Where'd you play? How'd it go? Um, I'm trying to think of when I played. I played this weekend one day. I think Saturday, 140, and Sunday. Uh, home course, member at Beverly this summer. Uh, first time getting a membership, so I golfed a lot. But I'll tell you what, it was my worst summer of golfing uh, since I've started really uh yeah um i had my best score 86 i've been golfing for for like four years okay so 
you know, the first year I get to, from like a 110 to a 98. And then those years since I've plateaued at like 94, 92. Got to an 86 this year and then I was back up to like 105 for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, they say uh, it's a lot harder to go, you know, from a 10-ish handicap down to like an 8 or the single digits than it is to go from the 20 to the 12 even, 15. Right. Right. So I mean, I was at what thirty to start. So I mean, it's tough, dude. It's so frustrating. I had to take a week off. I literally didn't golf for like a week and a half, two weeks, because I was just I couldn't hit the ball. I was freaking what is it, hoseling? Is that what they call it? Yeah, right off the hosel. Oh my god, dude! Like not making contact. <laughs> we call Stop those. It. <laughs> we call those ones the wipey fades too. They go about <laughs> ninety yards and ninety yards left. Yeah, I was going like. 10 yards shank left like not even close playing 18 and probably stopping at the 13th and just walking with my buddies like dropping it in the fairway trying to hit a couple but it was it was it's brutal man well let me give you some reassurance because even the the single digit handicappers have to take a week off at some point i would say i'm going through one of my worst stretches of ball striking that i've ever went through and today I had a couple flashes of getting it back, but it is infuriating to go out there and expect to play a little bit better. Like the short game came around, the putting's been good, and then I just can't hit an I can't hit an iron where I want to. That's what I thought about. It's kind of like it's kind of like drugs. Like even you, you get frustrated. You want to do better. Like it doesn't matter how good I get. Like I'm gonna want to get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if I'm at a 120 or a 82 like i'm still gonna wanna go out there and get better so it's like you, you never you're never satisfied absolutely the worst part was like i've been get, i've been having these rounds where i make like three or four birdies and today i had an eagle and it's like those are the flashes that right. you you hang your hat on and you leave the course mm -hmm. but then you look back on the score and you had you know six seven bogeys a double a triple and i'm like uh, what the what the hell it's bad. Toomey, I let Toomey beat me once, and that was the low point of the summer. That's when I took a couple of weeks off. It's his first year golfing, so <laughs> that was the low point for me. Drew, you got any uh, tips of advice for a tips. fellow, a fellow, you know? You should be giving me tips. Fifteen you handicapper. I haven't even grasped a club in probably a year and a half. My, I don't even know where mine are right now. That's how low I'm at. We're gonna have to get when Curdy comes home a big. A big group text golf outing. <laughs> doesn't matter where. I'm fine with it. I'll just, Adam's got hey, his two clubs. I'll just be hacking, digging, and mucking all day. Just gotta. For That's me, right. it's just having fun and trying to stay positive. Because I get, I have a very short fuse and get very <laughs> angry very quickly. And it just, like I'm talking after like four holes, I'm like, okay, this is not fun. Like I don't talk to anybody. I just kind of. It's. I close off. I close myself off. Yeah. So it's, it's one thing like going on a weeknight and like sometimes I'm like trying to get better, but like going on a weekend with your buddies, drinking friggin' eight Bud Lights, there's nothing better. No, oh, the there's nothing like it. There's nothing quite like. Have you been in the scramble life yet? Have you gotten into I, the. I've played a couple that's the best. Oh, no pressure. Is... No there, pressure at all. Well, for a guy like you, there's absolutely no pressure. You make uh, a couple of putts and you're good. But it's the like I enjoy them a lot, even though I'm getting relied on a little bit more in the right, group sometimes. Right. But I can now hit driver literally any every hole that I want to 
hit it on and try to drive greens and stuff as long as somebody just puts one in play. Like, that's all there needs to be, which makes golf the best because when you're swinging as hard as you can out of your shoes and once in a while it goes straight, it's a lot of fun. I haven't uh, I haven't took the cover off my driver probably all summer. Maybe a couple times here and there. I'm out. It's out. Four iron off the deck every time. Off the deck. Yeah, we're going to have to fix that. I don't like <laughs> when people – Give up on on the driver because I am a, a proponent of you gotta hit it until you know, you I, can. Yeah. Like I'm fine with put if you're going out there to play for a score and you know like today, man, the oh, driver's right, not that, there. Right, right, right. But right. putting it away for the summer, not yeah, great. I gave Jay. up. Uh, I, I mean, I was just slicing every time, and then this summer I was going the other way, and I was like, holy shit, I I'm aiming right to play my slice, and it's going right. So I, I had to. It's yeah. I got to get it back. I got to get it back. Yeah. All right. So what's the miss right now that we got going? Let's see if we can figure a couple of things out here. Uh, I just, I'm just not a scorer. My approach shot isn't great. And if I'm on the green putting birdie, I'm probably three putting from far away. Interesting. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm a bogey guy. I'm not a huge like triple, like I'm not going to put up the highs, okay. but I'm not getting birdies. A couple, two or three pars, zero birdies, mostly bogues. Are you hitting? Are you hitting greens, or are you, is it a lot of chipping going on? I'm probably hitting three or four greens in regulation, maybe. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then you got to get out there on the practice days and just start, you know, hitting a couple of chips and doing a little bit more putting. And it doesn't help that my first shot, I'm not leaving myself. I mean, I'm only hitting a four iron, so my second shot in on a par four is like always 190, 200 plus, and I'm never, I'm never plopping from there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's percentage-wise, <laughs> no, even never. even the tour pros are struggling from right. that range out, you know? Right. So. And then I'm chunking my next, the 56 degree, I'm chunking. Can't hit, cannot, I don't know where, how far it's going. I thought I could only hit it so far, and I, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> my short game's terrible. I'm using a Toys R Us putter, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might be able to. I'll, I'll bring back a putter and see if you like it because I've been I've switched it up a, a couple of times. Um, but I think a lot of what people recommend sometimes is to work on like short game and stuff. Like I was saying, if you're not hitting a lot of greens, but there's also the fact of the best club in the bag. If that's the case, if you're ending up with 190, 200 in all the time, is to work on the driver. So we got to get you aiming straight <laughs> down the fairway. And hitting that driver, we'll get it out there, 240. We'll figure something out. When I hit it, I can hit it, but, like, it's not. The percentages just aren't in my favor. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get you hitting the fairway 60% of the time. We'll get you on, Whoa. like, the tour average. <laughs> yeah, tour average. <laughs> Maybe right. half. I'll take 30. So, now, next question, Drew. If you're going up against Jason, who's golfed all year, how many strokes do you want to get from him in a match? Okay, that's a very good question. Where are we playing? The way he's the way he's sort of framing his game is. Oh man, what are you shooting, dude? I haven't. I don't like. Hold on. Let me let me think this through. I'm thinking back to everything you've said. I'm trying to dissect the way that you. I'll say like. Right now, I'm playing average. My average is like 93 or 94, about there, 92, in that low at 90. Dude, I think if I – At a Beverly. I, I honestly drops, think – I'm like a 105 probably. 
just yeah. from hitting it OP. Oh, if I mean, I would say Bass Rocks has a much better chance for Drew because if he figures out how to get it in play, right. that's that's, ice, yeah. that's how you score. Right. The the thing like the thing that I will never have that I just I think anybody who golfs who steps up to their ball and with the intent of hitting it to a spot where they know they think they at least think they know where it's going to go. That must be just quite the feeling. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like even putting, like, I just want to make that known. Like anybody who's ever even done that, like a couple times, just a handful, like under five, God bless you. Because I have even on the range at Richardson sipping on a chocolate frap friggin' I have never once hit a ball even remotely where I wanted to. And that's yeah. the problem. Like, it is – I don't know. See, I'm thinking, so, like – Curdy's thinking, like, oh, I want to hit, like, the front left of the green. I'm thinking, like, let's keep it in bounds. Yeah, like, I'm oh, thinking I don't – Jay, exactly. let's not get outrageous. The okay. ball striking I'm having right now off the tee, I'm thinking least... just keep it within the corridors yeah. here. And... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, it, it depends. It goes, if it goes 50 yards, if it goes 40 yards and it's straight <laughs> – in and in, in hittable i'm cool with that i don't care if i if it's a worm burner that leaks into the fairway 20 yards that's a win for me i'd rather do that than be in like a swamp digging for my ball right. and like needy muck like so the thing about my game too is kind of like I'm, I'm plopping every one of my shots up like i'm never giving myself a bad lie okay i'm just you're I'm what just, you're what we call from, a fluffer yeah from 200 out i'm not giving myself a bad lie like i want to go for the hole it's it, you're practically in the porn industry a fluffer yeah. <laughs> i've been known to fluff <laughs> yeah no i mean i don't mind like for amateurs and anybody who's going out there to play a normal round like just for fun i would say you should give yourself a good lie because it is infuriating to have a bad lie first of all in like tournament play but then second of all you're not like chances are you're gonna hit a absolutely miserable shot and then right. it's just gonna add on to the negativity <laughs> I mean, I'm probably going to hit a miserable shot fluffing, but... There's there's times when I'm playing and I'm trying to work on particular shit and say I'm hitting balls out of bounds or whatnot in the hazards. Sometimes I'll just get to the point where, like, go to a point in the fairway where you, like, if you hit a good shot and play the whole thing there. Right, right, right. So that's that's some of the the stuff to do because... Drew, there's no better feeling in the world than when you know where it's going. There's no worse feeling. <laughs> hey, I, had, I got it. I had to say it because it's like, I just can't believe. Like, I watch these guys, and I even watch you, like at freaking Cape Band sometimes, and I'm like, holy shit, stuff. Oh my god, I went with Ty once, and I thought he was kicking it, but he like they can sa- their first shot can be shitty, but they can still save like a birdie opportunity. He shot like a 74. I thought he shot like an 84 just because he was kicking, but I think that's the part too, is like the recovery. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saving anything. Like if something bad happens for us, it's, there's an 85% chance that the wheels are just going to fall off for me. And there's no recovery. Like there's no way that I have the mental fortitude or physical capability (laughs) to recover and hit a good shot. Like, like Kurt said, like, to, to, to dig myself out of a hole like that. So that's another issue that... Well, I'm I would say sure. the dispersion is definitely an issue. Like, the dispersion of a good shot, bad shot between the two yeah. of us is a lot different. But, Drew, I will ask you this, is what's worse? Say you've never gotten to the point where you know, like, where the shot's going. Is it worse to have the, like, 
be in my situation where I've been to the points where I know the search going and now I have just no idea. Yeah, no, I think it's better to be in, in my position because the ex there is there is non-existent expectation that you just because then for me, if I hit it remotely where I wanted to, I'm like, OK, that was sick. Like I'm like acting like I'm the bee's knees. Yeah. Whereas for you, if you hit it, you know, three CHs away from where you thought it would, it's like a disappointment. I'll tell you what, a perspective. I was talking about this the last round with one of my buddies. Like when I'm doing something wrong, if I'm playing basketball or like on the mound pitching, like usually I can tell myself, all right, this is what I'm doing wrong. Usually you can figure it out. Right. Curdy's the same way sometimes, probably more than us with golf. Like, dude, if I'm doing something, I I don't know what the right way is. So I'm just like adjusting shit that could be making it worse. It's friggin'. Yeah. I would say adjustments in golf are probably the hardest sport to make because I can know I'm hitting a wipey cut or I'm missing it left the whole time. And I know how to hit a draw. And there's some times where you just cannot get that ball to turn over and your swing is just off and you need a total reset of a week and just go right. not touch a club. Uh, but drew to your <laughs> back to the point of you would be in an asylum. I think if you were in the position where I went from the year in. Yeah. I went from there was a point in probably 2017, 2018 when I was hitting the ball really well, hitting a lot of greens, which wasn't my normal forte anyways, to the point where I am at now, you would be in a mental asylum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and no I'm almost that. there. I'm almost Again, there. It's about perspective. That's all right. it is. It I feel like there's no my my head's never in a good split uh place playing golf it's either i'm rattled because i suck or like if i'm betting with my buddies and it comes down to 17 or 18 like off the tee i'm nervous like yeah. <laughs> the no. nerves are crazy Dude. i don't get it's like no other sport than nerves like no. for me it's the first hole when you haven't played oh. in a while and there's people everywhere looking at you and you just i feel like there's just diarrhea running out down my leg i'm like <laughs> please please or, just at least yeah. make contact like this is so bad my heart's beating out of my chest. Yeah. When the oh, horse is backed up and God. it's like every hole they're they're behind you watching and it's just like shank, Dude. shank, shank. There's <laughs> nothing worse like that. And to your point. Welcome. The, the, yeah. The, the, ha- the happiest I am, I know this is going to sound miserable, but the happiest I am is on either 9 or 18 when you sink the last putt and you shake hands with your buddy yeah, and then you go like grab a drink or something. Like, yeah. I know that sounds negative. <laughs> Well, that's just the truth of the matter. <laughs> just yeah. get absolutely beat up out there. <laughs> Drew, nerve-wise, how yeah. are you on the bag caddying? Jay, we might have to get you on the bag at the uh, old yeah, Bass Rocks Club Championship next year. We can't let you get on the evil side of Tyler Caniglieri's bag, but you can come on mine. I think that there's absolutely no pressure. The, the only pressure is physically to just get out of the way. Like, don't ever be in the way, really. That's the only thing. And don't say too much because <laughs> nothing I say really matters. You're just kind um, of like a clubhouse guy at that point. Exactly. Like, just like, just be a buddy a, like morale guy, you know, yeah, yeah. PMA, positive mental attitude. The biggest thing is just mentally here and got like Jeff Guzzi's dad talk shit to me when it's 105 <laughs> degrees and I'm in the painted suit and I'm saying, he's like, you won't last four holes. I'm like, you want a bat, buddy? And then I last... I last every single last hole, and then the best part is I miss work the next day because I got friggin' sun poison because I was friggin'. He, he went. Was... He went to the emergency room. That's that's be- grit. That's, that's grit. 
Yeah. That's great. I mean, I, I, I've never like, heard a caddy go into the emergency room <laughs> after 18 holes. Hey, it's the penis suit. Hey, suit, hey, in the middle of July, <laughs> the heat of the summer, this thick suit on. I don't know if I can wear it again. Like you went, you went to the emergency room just to like do a bit to wear a pink. Yeah, yeah exactly, a dude. Suit, pretty much. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Did you? Oh, you weren't there the final day, right? That you, Kenzie was on the bag. I wasn't. No, Drew was. No, was you were there. I was gonna you, say like, you what was your watching. selling? But what but you were? I'm trying to think. You, oh, Billy, oh, no, I was and there. A. Foss were watching on course. Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. You were. Yeah, we followed you through I the. I bet Kenzie uh, was a little playoffs. nervous. Yeah, he like, had you been giving you advice at all, or was it just pretty much is he more <laughs> carry the bag? So the story on that one is he's definitely like he knows golf. We can talk right. golf through a shot on a club choice or something. So on a lot of them, he was helping me club choice wise. When it came to reading greens, I've played Bass Rocks so many times right. that I'm not really usually guessing on a couple of the putts, but they mm-hmm. do end up throwing a couple pin positions that you really don't see more than like well, once or twice yeah. a year. And so we got to the 17th hole. I'm down a stroke still to Stevie. And I hit the three iron on, and we got about, I don't know, a 20, 25-footer, somewhere in that range. And it's this putt that, if you're looking at it, it's going to break right immediately off the bank in the front left of the 17th green. Mm -hmm. But then as you get to the hole, it looks as if it wants to turn back left or straighten out because it everything's kind of draining down to the 18th pond off the left side. Yep, yep. And so that's when I, I called them in and I was like, all right, like big putt alert. If we make this one, we're tied for the league going into 18. Stevie had just missed his birdie uh, chip that he actually putted and it just slid by. And he gave me the perfect read. We we agreed on the read. He's like, yep, right at the end, it's going to straighten out. We don't think it's going to turn back left or anything. And we made that one. And that was like a, a blackout moment of I don't even know what I did after that. Right, just, yeah, that's crazy. And and Drew Drew got a couple of, of photos. Or a, did you get a snap? I think you got a snap video that day of it. Uh, yeah. of it going in which the it might cool. have been Devin or i don't know if it was him or me or whoever but yeah there's something out there of, of a yeah, couple crazy putts this year as well right two oh my god mike gillis on uh, uh, yeah. absolute bomb on 18 to, to get it to a playoff, playoff. Yeah, yeah it was like a, that but was then Guzzi hit it to win right a bomb two to win or no am i making no Guzzi just cleaned up but okay. gillis is on 18 that's like a 40 to 50 footer from the front of that green and that green slopes so severely down into the right that that is just a preposterous putt to make like to tie a championship but to go back to 2018 jay because the even funnier part of kenzie's caddying stories that like he'll we will claim that till his deathbed best read of his life we go to 18 and i hit the drive right into this little rock patch that is before the creek and we're sitting there talking it over and i'm like i have to like taken unplayable here even if i can get this out i'm gonna get it out like 20 yards in advance there's really no point i just try to make a bogey at this point stevie had hit and he's up left of the 18th green which is a tough up and down anyways mm-hmm. kenzie's sitting there trying to coax me into taking like a full swing off of this rock where this ball like i could have got a club on it there's no telling where this ball was gonna go and that's that's one that we'll look back on. He'll look back on and just be yeah. like, "What the fuck was I thinking right there?" And and people are like, "Kenzie, why would you ever tell him to try and <laughs> hit that ball?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So <coughs> as always, great having you on, Jay. It's good to talk through a little golf. We'll be uh, doing some festivities coming up this this weekend. We'll get some Yell golf back. in. We'll get some I'll outback. Here for. And don't forget about the hood mile. You're going to have to run the hood mile. I'll oh, run. Man. I'll tell you what, but I got no chance. I'm not a long distance, and that's not even long distance. I'm going to be – who wins out of you and Kenzie? Kenzie. Like by a long shot? What What are we giving for a, a, a second spread? I'm going to give you a four-and-a-half second spread. Can you – can you come? Oh, can you know. touch that? Maybe. Me it and Jimmy be. were off a second when he won. How far is it? Point three three miles on the uh, dock. I, I'll. Am I? And I can't run with him. It's it's after. Right? It's a time trial. <laughs> can I have a timer? A time, the time trial is the best part. No, I don't. I don't think we're gonna allow people to look at the watch. Right. Um. Then probably not. I know myself. If he was there, yes, but no. If he's not with if me, if he was running to next to you, you think you you think it would be different? Uh, would be, yeah, way quicker than four seconds, like a bang bang. Like okay. he probably gets me the last stretch, but gotcha. like no motivation. I'm not gonna. I'm not a self motivator. That's fair. I know myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fair. Be honest with yourself. I appreciate that. True. Has Billy answered your challenge? Because there's just no, no way he's gonna Z- run it. Zero zero acknowledgement, and it's been <laughs> three weeks now. Zero acknowledgement <laughs> of the Listen, challenge. Listen, I'll tell you what. I was, I was listening to that episode. He got an announced teaching championship against the tider, Tigers as Speedy Fosbury. So he's been fast his whole life. <laughs> ask, ask my dad, John Vizinas. He, he doesn't call him Billy. He calls him Speedy Fosbury. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. see if we can drag him out there. Drew, you got to be going into that like minus 1,000, I'd say. I, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't like mentally for my own sake i think mentally billy pride. can grind you but as but far that only as goes so far though yes like, that's my it, thing that's the thing in a sprint like that's a, a closer talk but in a, a little bit of a distance i i don't see how it could happen I, it would be a complete mental breakdown from you is what i would need to see if i was to lose i yeah rolled yeah. ankle maybe <laughs> Yeah, injury. Maybe a pulled hammy on the way there. We don't want to uh, joke about injury. But hey, you got to run the race. You got to run the race, Billy. You got to run the race. So I don't know how we're going to get him over there. I don't know if he'll do it. We'll coax him I, in for a Pats game session. It has and to happen, we'll get him so. going outside. Perfect. Throw the football around. We'll get him. Exactly. All right, Jay. Beautiful. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Continue on. With the golf talk after Jason graced us with his presence this week. Bryson DeChambeau, winner of the United States Open Championship. Um, what a performance. There's, like we've said before many a times, you cannot like the guy's personality. You cannot like him as a, a human being based off some of his comments and interviews and how he acts. But if you are a golf fan and you enjoy watching golf, that Sunday final round was an absolute masterclass performance. Drew, I'll hand it over to you. You picked him to win. I I got to be honest. I picked him just because we've been talking about him. His name has been in our mouths for the past two months. And I like the way he plays. I like him as a person. I think he's great for golf. I think he's hilarious. And I'll kind of go that route. I didn't watch a second of it. I was all in on football all day long. I could not take my eyes off of it, unfortunately. And 
yeah, I mean, I picked him. That's all I really got to say. I know, I you know, when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, I made the right decision, and uh, that's all I got for you. One of the things that bugged me about this week is the the announcers and some of golf Twitter. Uh, Bucci Gross, uh, what's his first name? John, John. John. Yeah, so John Bucci Gross on Twitter also said it was, you know, how disappointed the the winged foot members would be if like a guy like bryson won well no no no, it wasn't that it was how disappointed the winged foot members would be if it was like a no-name winning and it's good because it's a guy who's going to win multiple majors and like come back to the club blah 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 yeah I saw hey, that. excuse me but i don't particularly care what the you know $200,000 initiation fee members at winged foot care about who wins the golf tournament. First of all, it seems like a little yeah, bit seem, of an weird out of touch statement to like, you're trying to play to the masses of golf fans and the masses of golf fans aren't members at literally the top 10, top 20 clubs in America because of the price. And not yeah. only because of the price, like we've talked about before, because of restrictions, whether like some of them still do not allow women members and different ethnicities and stuff, which is absolutely banana land. But it just, that was one of the things that rubs me the wrong way about the golf world in general. It's like, they're so stuck up and, you know, snooty. It's like, screw the winged foot members. I want a freaking amateur guy or a pro who's never going to win another major in his life to have the best week of his life. Like screw! Oh, you yeah. They want a really high standard caliber champion. Oh, that, it just shouldn't matter, you know. Yeah, absolutely not. I agree. So that was like the only thing all week that really bugged me. Other than Thursday was a little soft on course conditions, the greens particularly where they were spinning balls back from the rough, which you just don't normally see in a U.S. Open. Uh, but the rest of the week played fantastic, and Bryson absolutely dominated the field in I strokes gained. I think he was like eight strokes gained on the field, which is the most since like Johnny Miller shot 63 or something in the Sunday final round. Uh, Matt Wolf played great young up and comer, only 21 years old. Imagine if he won the U S open this year. Amazing. So he, and he had a T so he came in second and he had a T four at the PGA championship this, this year. So, be on the lookout come Masters times. He's a performer in the big tournament events. Dustin Johnson, know. who you picked to win as well, one of your two picks. He was. Was sneaky impressive because he started off the week horribly on Thursday and ended up finishing tie for sixth. Like, he was on the cut line after the first day and kind of just turned in some even and won over rounds the rest of the week to hang in there, which was the leaderboard was incredible. Um, Xander Shoffley was up there per usual in the U S open, but overall I would say Bryson got away with the driver the Saturday, the third round where he hit it kind of all over the place. And because he was so long and he was missing in the correct places, he could get away with it and shoot an even round. Whereas Sunday he put on an absolute driving performance. He was hitting a ton of fairways and his irons into the wind sometimes were spectacular. Like, there weren't a lot of guys hitting a lot of green Sunday due to the wind and the firmness. 
and he was put in the middle of the green where he needed to, and he made a few putts. Both guys eagled the ninth hole, which at that point in the championship, it was like anybody's game. And yep. Bryson made a like 37-footer, and then Wolf poured one in on top of him for a 10-footer to like stay within one. So if you weren't watching that and you were watching the NFL, I can forgive you, but you missed a hell of a Sunday final round up until about the 13th hole when he really started to pull away. Really pulled away. Gotcha. Well, that's a hell of a recap, so I'll give you props to that with a little golf clap to suit. And uh, Let's head on to the I, NFL. I, I just got to be better. I got to be better, but it's a great way to switch gears to the NFL. Yep. Um, Patriots, <laughs> tough one. A tough one. I. Is it really, though? I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not a loser. I don't like to lose. I don't think losing is okay. But at the end of the day, I, I've never said this, and I may never say it again. That's as good of a, that's a that's as good of a loss as you're ever going to see from a Patriots team in the position that they were in in week two of this year with everything going on. Yes, I agree with that. I thought, and I still think Seattle's a much better team. Uh, Pete Carroll, yeah. like I, the Patriots, hung in there a lot better than I thought. Like them having a chance to win that game was shocking to me. Yeah, one yard to win the game, it, it shouldn't have came down to that. I have to call out Pete Carroll again. Oh for, my God! What a, was it? Thir- third, third and, and one? short. Yeah, right in, between third and three and third and one, and he throws a fifty-five yard bomb through the hands of Tyler Lockett. Yeah. When Chris Carson was gashing us for four and a half yards of carry on every single time he got the ball, I don't know how you're not either handing it off to him or putting it in Russell's hand and saying scramble for a yard. Absolute lunatic move. And yeah. like I get the idea of yeah, we're gonna you know, Kill run shot. a little play action maybe, or run yeah. just a couple of drag routes to get the first down because we don't think we can run it. Like they're expecting run their yeah. in. Fine. That was a ISO, you know, Tyler Lockett versus whoever was on the corner there. Yeah. And like throw up a prayer. It just made no sense. You were th- sitting there like, why the hell did they just do that? Yeah. It just was not a very high probability throw. Like you, like you said, if you're doing a pop to Greg Olson or something like of that nature across the middle with Lockett. That's fine. Cause you only need three yards to throw up a prayer like that. It's just, especially with time be- becoming an issue, it stops the clock. So we'd have to use yep. a timeout. Yep. It's just, it's just a nightmare call. And it, it always seems like, like win or lose for the Seahawks. Anytime I watch them, there's at least one play that is just, Complete, just a complete bonehead play. Yeah, where you just question it for and weeks. Doesn't it seem like they're more in the situation? They've been a good team for a while now, and Russell Wilson's, you know, top three quarterback in the league, easily if not number yeah. two. Yep. And it <clears throat> seems like they get into these games, and I know their defense isn't what it used to be in 2014, and it isn't very good anymore, in my opinion, yeah. for a secondary. But they get into these situations where they're always within like a score and the game's way too close because of coaching decisions. Like it's oh, Pete yeah. Carroll. It's not the, the defense I mean, they, every time. At that point, Kurt, they were up two scores with like, or no, at that point they were only at one score, but it just should have never came to that. It just shouldn't yes. have. I mean, like you said, props to the, to the Pats for, you know, grinding it out and, and keeping it close and hanging tough with a team like that week two on the road, but it really shouldn't have came to that. And it's scary because they have a, a damn good football team and Pete Carroll sometimes just makes those bonehead plays. He's a hell of a coach, hell of a motivator, but Jesus Christ, sometimes you just you just wonder with him. Yeah. And to hop over to another game, this oh, one please. 
I it's give at, it to us. It's Atlanta. It. It's Atlanta it. versus Dallas. Dallas. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I can I, I say something? Because this okay. will, this why will... is okay. Before you go, yeah. Dan Quinn, how is he? In what realm of reality is he the coach of that football team right now, as we speak? Can I ask you a follow up to that? How is Arthur Blank alive? <laughs> how does that? How is that man's heart? How does he withstand? Imploded. How does he withstand such letdowns? Year yeah, after year? it's it's insane, and I want to point crazy. out the fact, like the correlation here of Mike McCarthy coached in this game, and I know Jimmy Nicolosi will love this because I he yeah. he likes to say I'm obsessed with Mike McCarthy in some ways, uh, but it's exactly that game showed me exactly what Green Bay used to do. It never got to the point where they were up twenty and they lost a game. But it was Green Bay completely dominating a game with Mike McCarthy's yep. like offense, how they were playing. And then in the second half, they have such a big lead and they'd make it a one score game because they completely changed their entire strategy to we got to run the ball. We got to try to, you know, bleed clock, do whatever. And it's like, what? I just don't get the. And I see it in the Celtics even, Drew, when it comes to the fourth quarter. What's more infuriating when they run the, the clock, shot clock down to eight seconds and Kemba's standing there just barely over half court and oh you're wanting to rip your, your hair out because they've dominated yeah. the entire game. It's just like a conservative mindset that they get Lolly into. Ga- it's lollygagging is what it is. It's it's not playing to win the game and continuing playing your strategy. It's playing not to lose, and that's what brings teams back. Yeah. It, it, the, the worst part about it is, like, the Falcons have a damn good team on paper. They are loaded on offense. Yes. They have a young athletic defense. They have what I thought was a good coaching staff. And is there but... anything better than when Jerry Jones loses? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It actually pained me to watch him celebrate the way he did. I, 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 the one thing I have to do is just, you have to call out the head coach of that football team. I don't know. It is week two. You've already played a regular season game. You've yep. been practicing for months at this point. Granted, you haven't played, but if you're in the NFL and you're in that position on the all hands team, you better know that you can jump on that football from the minute it's off the guy's yes. foot. Yes, and that's why this it's is a not... coaching. That's why it's on the coach 100% there. coaching. It's almost like they were acting, Kurt, like it was a first or third baseman waiting for the ball to roll foul. Yes. They can touch that ball and dive on it as soon as it is off that guy's foot. And number 17 and number 81 or whoever it was, literally watching it roll over their feet, past their feet, I don't know if I'll ever get that image out of my head. And then watching <laughs> watching them like go like this, like it's a punt. And then watching the Cowboys guys jumped on it. I mean, I don't even know. Like, I don't know if that's just like, I don't know if you say bravo, bravo to Greg the leg for, for making that happen. But in my mind, that's just a horrible onside kick that just resulted in them recovering it due to poor coaching. I would say it's, I would say it's a great onside kick um, and was executed probably like he wanted to the way he oh, set, you set would the think, ball up. Like, yeah, if they, you know, maybe they watch film and saw that these guys are lollygagging to the ball and don't know what to do. Yeah. But well, no, I don't even think crap. it's the, I don't think it's the watching film thing when it comes down to that scenario this early in the season. I think maybe what could you could see is like those guys maybe are the 
tight ends or blockers or something like that. And they're yeah. usually trying to stymie the people coming in and you have that one guy who's going to catch the ball. Exactly. Well, maybe that'll make coaches rethink, like, maybe we should just have, you know, five, six guys up there who can catch the ball and secure it. Exactly. Instead of coming up with these fancy plays where, okay, you three block and make a Correct. Make the wall and then you dive on it. Like because oh if God. you have a yeah, if you had like a slot guy out there or like the tight end should obviously be able to dive on that too. But yeah. realizing that hey, we can take advantage of this at the five yard line because it's practically stopped and just yeah, dive I, on I, it. I just can't imagine what the look that those guys got on when they walked to the sideline from a guy like Matt Ryan who just threw three touchdowns for five hundred yards. Again, just yeah, that offense is absolutely ripping it up. I mean, insane defense has to figure it out, and you just have to win that game flat out. It's just, it's sad to watch. <laughs> so, what are some other games I'm trying to think of? Minnesota, maybe. Oh, maybe Mick, the biggest Mike fraudulent. Zimmer's probably going to be gone. I mean, this uh, this is two weeks in a row, Kurt, where he's hey, just getting the doors blown off him. He was my he was my guy after McCarthy. I said he should he's be fired, go. and Jason Ladoff said. Oh, his schemes are so good. He's such a great defensive coach, blah, blah, blah. I, Jay, he doesn't win. Like, they don't win. And his not defense that, isn't that I, great. Have you seen how many points they've let up in the first two weeks of the year? I, I would say not just the first two weeks of this year, but even years prior when they faced yeah. actual good, like, over 500 teams. That secondary yeah. was never good. Yeah, it, that's another one where... And it's not even like just the secondaries playing bad. Kurt, when, like what's the Kurt worst? Cousins is horrendous. Yes, They're, the whole team is just playing horrific. It's it's a, it's a dumpster fire in Minnesota right now. What I what I can't stand to hear is when they talk about you know they lost guys like Xavier Rhodes and it's like Xavier Rhodes was awful every game I watched that he played in a big game he was getting picked apart or he was drawing a billion penalties like he, he's I think it's it's the name thing it's the you know, it's like the the tag hag situation where like, oh, you get all the the nice brands, the nice car. Yeah. It's an it's the name. Like he was historically a stud. I think it was last year in particular, things just completely fell off the rails for the guy and they released him. I yeah. don't know where he landed now, it's like a depth corner, but yeah, he he's another one who really ha hasn't been that good, but they're they're in some deep trouble, um, if they don't get a win this week, obviously. But yeah, those are the big ones. I don't know if there was any other any other big ones? I will remind you that Tom Brady did he did throw another pick six, but thankfully for all all those Tom Brady lovers out there, their flag was thrown on the field and it was taken back. So um, I just I won't I won't get into that, but I did want to just make that known. That game was way too close too because they started off and had a fourteen point lead and ended up you know it was a one score game. Best I, part of that game was Lashawn McCoy. Dropping that wheel route touchdown. No. And then watching Tom Brady put his hands to his head. Hey, Drew, what was better was when they had, it was like the rookie wide receiver. He was a track star or something. Brady throws him one on the sideline. And I'm like, if he catches oh, this wait. and stays in bounds, off his helmet or something? it hit him in the head. And Brady and it just, just flew off him. Hey, he's standing there like, what, what can I, <laughs> like, I hit you in the face. Yeah, like just put your hands up, buddy. Yeah, and he I wasn't gonna out. run for a touchdown or anything, but it was like a 25, 30 yeah. yard game. And it was an absolute. And if he stayed in bounds, he could get like 10, 15 more. Yeah. So, oh, that... I don't even think the guy was looking. So I saw that. That was pretty damn funny. I, I, yeah, I didn't watch like the second half of that game really because I watched the first couple drives and I was like, if they can figure yeah. out how to not draw 
offsides every other possession and yeah. actually catch the football, they'll be good. They'll be in good shape, exactly. But that's what it comes down to. I didn't have any other games I don't think I was thinking of. Uh, a ton of injuries, but... None that really stood out. A ton of injuries, which sucks for the league. It's, you know, that's... Philly, how Regardless about... of fantasy, oh my God, just terrible. How about but... Philly kind of 0-2 start and the Rams, I will say, the Rams looking like they did in 2018. The way they move the ball down the field, yeah. Correct, they... yeah. Yeah, play action, just slinging it to Woods and Cup. And Higby, my boy Higby had three tutties, I think. They're a little surprising, too, because they were so disappointing last year with kind of a yeah. similar roster, but they're they're back to being one of the better teams. I tell you what, that that uh, division is fantastic now. Is that, can you remind me who's LA, in that one? Seattle, well, the Rams, Seattle, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Arizona. Who's yep. playing great. And they look like last in, year's In Ravens. San Fran. Wow. The... The I'm Cardinals, getting that right. Am I getting that right? Is I that... don't know if it's San Fran. Uh, the Rams might not be in that one. Check check whoever's in the Cardinals real quick. NFC um, West. Either way, the Cardinals are an absolute wagon. Kyler Murray is incredible. That is. That's the whole division. That's, that's a great division. It's the best division in football, probably. Yeah. The one, the one that I would put up against it, maybe, is... Tampa. No. Well, just, well not right just now. Just because Carolina and Yeah, I guess. Even Tampa, like I wouldn't give Tampa New right Orleans. now. How about New Orleans last night? Jesus and, Christ. Yeah. Talk about a laying an egg on prime time. Very true. Uh, I don't care that you I know will, Michael Thomas. I know. That is a massive piece. You can't underestimate how massive yeah. he is to, to that. They offense. should still beat that team though. They're, Absolutely. they're much better than that. Absolutely. So well, All right. that, that'll do it for the NFL talk. Let's move on and wrap up here with the dad, Drew's dad joke. This is a good one, folks. I dug this one out of the gutter this morning. Brought to you by Gloucester Gear. Wear what the locals wear. Why did the old man fall in the well? I got nothing. Because he couldn't see that well. Oh. <laughs> That's not good. You couldn't see that well. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, I wish... Uh, okay. What do you think about that one? Give it a quick out of 10. I would say a 4.6. What? Yeah, just because you used well twice. You know, like, That's I feel like... Joke. I feel like normally it's... You have to come up with a, a clever play on words that fits the narrative of the first part. Yeah, this one was a little bit flat from that regard, but yes. I like it. I, I like it because of that, I guess. But okay. What do I know? Yeah. 4.6. That's your review. <laughs> All right. Let's 46, move, David Krejci. Move on to Women of the Week. I'll start off with mine. Okay. This one's a simple one, and it's it's piling on from the praise she got Sunday night or Monday night. I'm not really sure which. But it's Zendaya, who is in yeah. Spider-Man. And sh she didn't get it for the, any of the Spider-Man movies, but she got best lead role in, I believe it was Euphoria. And Honestly, I don't know. Which is on, I don't know if it's on Netflix or not, but I haven't seen it. She's brilliant in Spider-Man, her character. And yeah, that's, a, that's pretty much it. Woman of the Week. I think she was the, like, Second, second black 
actress to get it in so many years. I forget how many years. I'll look it up, but it was a long, long time. Uh, so props to her for a massive award. And other than that, award night, Shit's Creek cleaned up from what I heard. I heard the same thing. Mine, I think of just rehashing old episodes, honestly, because I don't have much for this, but Halsey is my woman of the week. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, maybe. She has a Twitter account that is just for basketball. So she has her regular Twitter that has like 10 million followers. Then she has a Twitter account called Halsey and One, yep. where she literally strictly talks basketball and her Lakers fandom and just talks shit and stuff. And it is unreal content because the type of you just never expect it from her, I guess. And it is her old town road videos. Unreal, too. I mean, okay, so the Old Town Road video is what put her on this, like, put her on the scene. I feel like I didn't know who she was till then. That video should be in like the most, what's the most famous museum in the world? Uh, the what is it? The the it's a French one, the Lavoie or something, the The Louvre, yeah, the the Louvre, Louvre, whatever. Yeah, that that video should be in gift form digitally up on the wall. (laughs) in that museum because I know this is Billy Fosbury's favorite video of all time too. It is. If you haven't seen it, look up Halsey old town road dance because, Oh my God. But yeah, her Twitter Halsey and one, it just says Halsey, but like with basketball. So check out her Twitter. It's hilarious, especially with the NBA playoffs in full swing. Go Celtics. Massive, massive game for tomorrow. Oh my God, massive. Huge. I'll leave you with that. Huge. Uh, they, Celtics note, they're a much better team than at the, the Miami Heat. They just have to learn how to win. You think on paper they're a better team? Outplaying I them. Agree. I mean, just look at the look at the stats that they've... I, I know it's not... Yeah. It's tough. It's, look, the control seems... of the game, every single yeah. game they've controlled until the last third, late third quarter early for correct yeah when it feels like things it just feels like they around. implode yeah it's a great word for it so i don't care who's roughing tomorrow i don't care who's healthy who's hurt tomorrow is going to be an absolute bloodbath it is going to be a war it is a must-win game you do not want to go down three one to this team you have to win tomorrow you have had plenty of rest you have to come out and play like you did in game three that's bold, all I got to say. Bold prediction. I think they win three in a row. Really? That is hella bold. Okay. Back to Zendaya. Yep. 24-year-old became the youngest woman ever to take home the Emmy for Outstanding act- Actress in a Drama Series for has, her role as Rue in Euphoria, and she is only the second black actress to win in this category. The first was Viola Davis, so you know she's in good company. So historic which is pretty cool she's also in the greatest showman i forgot about that but that's also a fantastic movie if you're a big movie guy myself if you're into the musicals yeah so well we'll wrap up here with a quote of the week and it's only fitting that we have this one go out to the late great 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG, as they call her. And this one is interesting. I, when I read it, I, I thought to myself, hmm, that's interesting. Okay. So this is when asked about women on the Supreme Court. She says, when I'm sometimes asked, when will there be enough women on the Supreme Court? And my answer is, when there are nine, people are shocked. But there'd be nine men, and nobody's ever raised a question about that. And, what, and I think it's so good, because when, she, when you read that first part, when she said, when there's nine women, you're like, well, that, sound, that seems kind of unfair, that right? Like, kind, that's yeah. like your initial reaction. It, it's almost like shell shock, like she's throwing it in your face. to make, You know what I mean? Like, but and then, that's the point. But then you realize that like, for— Wait a damn minute. For decades, centuries, however long before yeah. women were even on the Supreme Court, it was nine men the entire time. Exactly. Which yeah. is what makes a quote so great. Is it, it, It's crazy. It's the delivery. It's the way it, it makes you really think is. things through. Yes. That's a great quote. I saw that one on Twitter and thought the same thing. I had to read it a couple of times because I was like, almost caught myself. So. Well, you know, people, you know, some people will be like, that's outrageous. It should be an evenly distributed. It's like, yeah, it's not, not so fast. That's not like she doesn't want nine just because she wants nine women on the courts because like she's saying yeah. that because throughout history. Exactly. It hasn't. It's the point. It's the principle. It, it's been the she's opposite not, of that. Exactly. People are, you know how people are on Twitter and social media. We've been over that before. We don't need to go over it again. All right. We'll wrap yeah. it up here. Season three, episode two. Pat from last year. As always, our guy playing us out. What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Sazits. Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group.